poetry is only the the really intense acting segments I feel like the ones that exhaust you and none of the light happy dappy stuff even if it's a fun poem there's just so much emoting that you have to do that it's exhausting and so I'm not always ready for that the voice you just heard belongs to Michaela Keat okay my name is Michaela Keat uh I am a homegrown Utah slam poet that's most of it I also do a lot of meme stuff on the internet which I'll tell you about. It's all news to you, but um, I'm I'm hoping will help me propel my pursuits as a poet. So, who met with me over Zoom in the social distancing of 2020 to talk about her slam and spoken word performance poetry? I am a huge Michaela Keat fan, so we had extensive tangent conversations during our interview. You should absolutely check out all of the very informative details Michaela dishes out on monetization and being discovered on TikTok in the bonus content of In the Telling on YouTube. There's a link in the show notes. Michaela Keat is a young, wholesome, and energetic poet and creator whom I'm delighted to bring to you for this special milestone episode. I'm your host, Liz Christensen, and it's all in the telling. Welcome to episode 50 with my guest, Michaela Keith. That's awesome. I I learned a ton from that and that makes me really happy. I want to completely go off of like the marketing logistics behind the scenes stuff um, and go like dive hard now into your poetry. Let's do it. How did you become a poet and why? In eighth grade, I took like a creative writing class and I started writing you know, some poetry in there. And I, I, my stuff was good. And my creative writing teacher was very encouraging to me. And that was really helpful. And everyone I showed my poetry to was very encouraging. And frankly, for someone of that age, it really was pretty good. Like I had, I had a natural knack for it. I, I went and gave myself the pseudonym of Miss Keats. So that was young middle school pretentiousness <laughs> at its finest. <laughs> but um, anyway, but it was good. And then uh, in the ninth grade, I went to do something that was for high school students. Uh, it's called English Quest. And it's really cool. It's all these English related events that happens at Weber State University. They used to do it every year. Some stuff has fallen off with it because um, the person who's usually in charge of organizing it, like had a whole bunch of issues in their family from what I heard. Because I was the English Quest. I was the president of the club for my high school the last year that they're like, we're not doing this. And so I was like, oh, so they're letting me know because they, anyway, but I remember going and it was, I I didn't know what poetry slam was. Like, I didn't know that poetry slam is typically different from poetry recitation because it's deliberately performative spoken word poetry, different from poetry on the page. But there are a lot of people who do poetry from the page type stuff. And so I showed up and one of the three events that I signed up for was Poetry Slam. And I performed a poem that I had written after I'd been inspired because my my ninth grade English teacher told me to go read John Keats because he's like, you might be related. So I was like, okay. So I went and I read his stuff and I was really inspired. And, And before I had always kind of done pretty rhythmic sounding, always rhyming. And it was the first time that I'd written something that was more deconstructed and had a deconstructed rhyme and that was truly a free verse, but that allowed my ear to kind of flow and it'd be like, this feels right here. I mean, the sound feels right here. And it was the first time that a poem had been so organic and that poem's called Break for Heaven. 
and it was the story of of meadowlarks flying from the nest it's yeah and so it was it was it was good like i'm still low-key to this day kind of proud of that poem <laughs> like Yay. i don't go back and read it I'm like that was trash no it was really good and so so i went and i made it into the top six finalists my first year of being there um and a lot of people sign up for the poetry slam for each of the rounds they have like like four like you know there's there's like 20 people you know so and that was really cool to me just really encouraging and i had a, I had a lot of people who were good to me about it and i i didn't write a ton of poetry for a while until i got into my senior year of high school and uh i saw they had a poetry slam club so i was like i <laughs> i was like i'm gonna write a new poem for this club and it'd been a while since i tried to write a poem and that first poem that i wrote you've heard it uh was by the sea that ballad yeah um and so I wrote that and I, I was pretty proud of that I'm still proud of that poem I think it's one of my best and I performed it at the first poetry slam competitive that we went to and uh one of the judges gave me a 10 which is like if you get a 10 from a judge that's insane like they're like you're a professional and so I was like <gasps> and so and they were they were really encouraging to me um I think I had the highest overall score of any of the competitors there my it, because slam poetry uh at the high school level is a team thing so it's all your scores are cumulatively cumulatively added I think we got second place in that slam but it was really cool I was I bonded closely with the people in the club they were definitely my kind of folk so from there I did a slam <laughs> we we went to more slams I really fell in love. Um, the first poem that made me really want to be a slam poet though, because even By the Sea is a very atypical slam poem. The first poem that I saw that was really traditionally slam that I loved was Birthday by Andrea Gibson. And that is a powerful, powerful poem. I actually performed it at my dad's wedding. <laughs> yeah, he got married, remarried, like um, it's earlier this year last year last year I, I feel like january and february feels like last year so i'm not a good indicator Maybe of time it was. was it like february i don't i everything is time is wrong it isn't anymore anyway but that poem i listened to it over and over and over again i had it memorized i also by the way at the wedding did not plan to do that poem my dad was like hey would you do a slam poem at the wedding and i was like oh yeah for sure and i like planned to write a new one and then i didn't and it was like the night before and i was like this ain't happening <laughs> so i was just gonna like read some of my old stuff and I get there and we were having this whole, it was just like a like extended family thing where we had all this like luncheon and stuff before the ring ceremony. And uh, we had a talent show section for the cousins and I was scanning through the talent show section and I wasn't in it. And I was like, oh, did he like forget about me? And I kept scanning down the page and I saw that after the talent show section, there were speeches by like, his mom and like other relevant people in their life. And then after them was me and then the ring ceremony. And so I was like, what have you done? Like, <laughs> how could you put me in this? Like, he's like, he wanted me in a very climactic spot. And I was like, well, I don't have anything. <laughs> and so, you know, I was, I was like, well, I no longer have, I, I'm not allowed to like do something underwhelming now. So I was like, okay, what do I have? And none of my own poems felt right. But then I was like, you know what I have memorized by heart? Birthday by Andrea Gibson. And that poem is about, it's really about why life is so beautiful and worth it in the face of all of the pain and the hardships that we have. 
and it is so beautiful and elegant and close to my heart. And so I was like, okay, well, let's check to see if I memorized. So I went in the bathroom and I was like, and like five and a half minutes later, I was like, we're good. Like, and so, <laughs> then I went and performed it and like, there were tears, things went well. And my dad had no idea that I didn't know what I was going to do till literally 20 minutes before. But anyway, <laughs> but, um, it's been, it's been a powerful journey. And, uh, I, there's something about slam that is so powerful. It's like singing, but with like a sort of pondering and a complexity of thought that you can't quite give to a song. What I really wanted after hearing Andre Gibson's birthday for the first time was I, I wanted to write things that people wanted to listen to over and over again. I wanted to write things that people wanted to memorize. I wanted to write things that gave people chills, that made them smile, that took them on a journey and, and made them feel more alive. And I think that's the gift of a poet is to have a poet's soul, which was one of the greatest compliments I've ever been given um, by, by my English counselor uh, in college my first year. He said, you have, you have a poet's soul. And I think what that means is when, when you go outside and you see a tree. That tree is more than a tree to you. It's full of magic and metaphor and, and beauty and what it means to be able to express the poet's soul is that you can put that feeling into words in an order that they've never been put before that creates these images and these feelings so that you can share the depths of the human soul with some. And all the poems that have meant the most to me, whether or not they were slam poems or poems for the page, were the ones that made me feel deeply and profoundly alive. Were the poems that I listened to and I was like, I would have loved you. Yeah. 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 I loved you. And maybe not like been, you know, in love, but I I would have, I would have loved your soul. I would have yeah. loved like who you were and and I just have such such an, a deep appreciation for my favorite poets and the beautiful experiences that I've that I've had with poetry and being able to share it and so I I'm just really passionate about poetry and performance can you tell, can you tell? <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about it <laughs> I, I could tell from, from seeing you perform it. I actually, as I think about it, like I've not read any of your poetry ever. I've only ever seen you perform it or heard. No, I've seen, I've seen it too. It's never been something that for me that was void of visual performance as well. Um, and I can't, I can't really picture what that is like because, because I feel like when you perform your poetry, the words aren't just sharing your soul with me you are holy. And as, as a person who is not well-trained in poetry, but is incredibly well-trained in the, the performing arts as being able to share your soul while I can see your face and you can see my face and there's not a screen between us. That's not something everybody's willing to try to do. It's deeply, deeply intimate. Performance in and of itself is when you're close to it, and this I'm sure you know, is, is a very intimate art. And then when you're adding that it's your own words and it's what you want to say to the world, it's absolutely a, a vision of what it's like to be inside you. 
that's that's why I do love performance of it. There, I have some poetry for the page that I am quite proud of. And so someday I would like to get a collection of that published, but I think I'd like to have a couple dozen more that I'm super proud of. Uh, obviously I have like tons of junk, but like, <laughs> like I have, I have a, like a, you know, the beginnings of a collection of, of stuff that I'm really proud of that I would like to publish. And when a poem is performed to some degree, it loses some of the power of interpretation than it has when it's for the page. But when giving poetry for the page to someone else, they need to be someone who reads it to read poetry. And so they have to be ready to bring their own interpretation. They have to be ready to bring their soul to connect to the soul of the poem, which is something you can compensate for in performance. When someone comes to slam poetry, they don't need to be ready in their soul, warmed <laughs> for the inter for interpretation and, and for having it touch them. They don't need to be in a certain place. And there are certain poems for the page that touch you even if you weren't ready. And they're, they're my personal favorites, they did that for me. When I just read it and I opened it and I was like, oh. <laughs> um, but because you can bring in your voice, your interpretation, and your soul, it fills in those gaps that other people have to bring when they read poetry. And not completely though, which is something I'm grateful for. I had someone reach out to me on Messenger, which I was like, when did I let you be my friend on Facebook? Like no offense, but I was like, I don't know who you are. And I low-key thought he was sliding into my DMs because he opened with hey, which is like, you know, so I was pretty upfront about like, hey, uh, but then he was like, he said to me, he said, you know what? I saw on your page uh, a poem that you made. And this was, this was a while ago. And I, I don't know if you've heard, I don't know if you've ever seen, I had a poem called Under Smiling Stars, which I'll likely re-record. It's one of my personal favorites, but it was, I put it out two years ago. So you would have had to be like deliberately go through my page to like find it. But um, but I, I love that one. And that that one is one that expressed really that poem is about everything I needed to hear when I was going through a really hard time. And so it sounds like it's addressed to another person, but in reality, when I wrote it, it was for me. When I perform it, it's for other people. But when I wrote it, it was for me. And for me, that poem is about being enough. That's what that poem is about for me. And it's about letting go of the fear of disappointing people and that that love is worth it beyond the pain that comes you know so that that's what it was to me but when I asked this guy I was like oh which poem did you see he says well I don't remember what it's called and I was like well what was it about and he said to me I think it was about feeling alone and what I loved was to me that's not what that poem is about but I love that to him that's what that poem is about and that's the beauty of art is that even when it's performed and even when we bring some of our own interpretation to it, it means something a little bit different to every single person. And I, I love how people fill in with who they are on the back end. Everything you say is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Mic drop. Give me a couple minutes to like wipe my eyes and... <laughs>
I need intermission. <laughs> you took me to a place where I was like, I have nothing to add. I just want that to stand. So now I'm going to try to pick a different path altogether and let that be the beautiful thing that it was and not <laughs> wrap all over it with my follow-ups. <laughs> I'm sure it would have been love, but I, I know what that's like when we have to let that silence follow. And that's what I hope in my poetry is, is that like at the, at the end of a good song, you have to, you have to be quiet for a little bit before you're ready to clap. That's, that's where we're headed then. Cause okay. in your performance, besides the beauty of the words, and I can't, I don't think we can separate this fairly from the words themselves, but you, you have a rhythm and a bounce and a cadence and a, and, and, and a weight of silence and speed and pacing and all those tools that I feel like you must be conscious of, or you could not wield them so masterfully, but they come out like, like you've never thought once about what you're saying other than you just have to talk to me and tell me about what you're saying. I think... As with most things that come to be a great passion in an individual, there is a combination of, of the practice of the art and the, and the development, and I've certainly improved. But there is also, in I feel the things we're meant to do in life, typically we come with a small package of natural talent. <laughs> um, and so for some of it, I have been uh, too fortunate that a lot of it just comes really naturally to me. And part of it is, is well, how naturally it comes is also like directly related to how vulnerable I'm willing to be. And so how deeply I can get into that soul space and how much I can like let down my guard. And I mean, that might seem a little counterintuitive because when it comes to like hiding myself in life, I also fall back on performance when I'm, when I'm kind of cloaking who I really am to just be someone that I feel is safe. But when I can combine that natural performance with vulnerability, that's the place I have to go. And I'm not always there. And when you're seeing my, my recordings, fortunately, it's a lot easier for me to get there when there's a live audience because there's a natural state of fear. Like, <laughs> um, like even though I look confident when I perform, I'm, I'm usually shaking. If you look closely enough at me, like my, my hands will be shaking. My knees will be shaking. Like I'm not, um, I'm definitely not like impervious to the fear. <laughs> like it's there. Um, but when I, I let that fear be there and I take a risk anyway, which is what live performance always is it's easy for me to snap into that soul space versus when I'm just doing it by myself in my room to a camera, it's harder. And so sometimes I have to perform something that's not even what I'm performing. That's just close to me. Half the time I just reperform Andrea Gibson's birthday. <laughs> like I really do to myself. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. I know a thousand things louder than a soldier's gun. You know, the heartbeat of his mother. And then I'm like, I'm there. Like, that's it. I just needed that. <laughs> and so, but getting to that soul space, it makes me get out of my head and thinking about it. And I'm, I'm there with each line. And when I give each line life, and when I'm in the present moment with each line, that's when it becomes natural. And that's when the dynamics become natural. And that's when I feel my audience be captured. And that's, I feel is the coolest thing about live performance. And I felt this both in my own poetry and with storytelling. 
there comes a moment when you can feel it, when you feel that you have the audience and, and you can like, like feel the rhythm of the audience and you can feel that they hold their breath when you take a pause and then you continue and, and, and they're sitting on the edge of the seat and you can see in the facial expressions and the silence of, of people just listening to you. I think that achieving that is almost impossible without the soul space. I think there are people who are talented enough performers that they can just do that cerebrally because they're just doing the motions, but I can't. <laughs> I am unable. <laughs> but if, I, if I'm going to capture an audience, like they have to feel that I'm leaving a piece of my heart there in the room with them. I'm going to bleed before them. And when they, they feel that I'm willing to give them that much, they listen. On a technique level, I love, I really love what you're saying because especially like when I'm directing actors for this stage, we talk about, you, know, you gotta play the moment, this moment, not the moment that comes five lines from now. And this moment is obviously informed by the moment before, but this moment is its own moment. And in some ways, playing each moment can lead an inexperienced or an untrained performer with the wrong impression that everything gets equal weight and that yes. everything gets equal emphasis and then therefore everything gets equal pacing and then there are no dynamics. <laughs> so. Yeah, yes, yes. That is precisely accurate. <laughs> so how, it, I, to be really reductive, I guess, about things, it sounds like what you're describing for me, your process is, is that it's an inside-out process. It is very um, much an inside-out process, which I know is like one of multiple, like kind of theories, right, when it comes to acting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, I mean, that's the one that works for me. I think for some people, it's a little harder to get to that vulnerable place because you sort of have to be like, yeah, you have to you have to have vulnerability on command, and I think that that's not something a lot of people make a priority in their life because it's scary. Right, because <laughs> life and growing up and maturing might train you otherwise. Oh, exactly, <laughs> life is life is painful, and um, and when we're vulnerable and then we get hurt, it's it's really hard to go back there. And <laughs> disincentivizing. So, yes, yeah, and so. Being vulnerable, especially performing vulnerably, needs to be a practice. And like, the the more that I do to make it a practice to be who I am in my life, I feel that directly converts into the power I have as a performer, almost regardless of what I'm what I'm performing. And and you've seen me play characters, and and my characters can be, you know, really I feel every character is just I mean a uh, a different and then refined aspect of myself. Uh, yeah, and enhanced distillation and enhanced distillation, precisely. But because it's an enhanced distillation, I have to bring a little bit of myself there. But you don't have to just be you as a character to be you in your character. And I think that's an important distinction also in acting. Because when we try to create a character that has no connection to our soul, it's not, it's not going to land. We have to find ways to take a character and let it speak to us. 
it's I feel like it's just adding like a different filter like a like a cool Instagram filter like to my storytelling or poetry when I like trying to do an, like an accent or something and I, I also recognize that there might just be people for whom that soul space is a little too far away for them to like make that be their practice and how they get to their character and there are a lot of valid ways to approach performance that's just the one that works for me best like for sure thank you to my guest Michaela Keat Michaela I have loved talking to you and I've talked to you to you for longer than I said I would <laughs> because I because I just enjoy it so much but I have to I have to let you go thank you so much for chatting with me today I mean, thank you for having me. This was really fun. Uh, I mean, your podcast is cool and you're cool. And it's honoring to contribute (laughs) to you. (laughs) And the telling is excitedly preparing for another Halloween special. One in which I'll be sharing ghost stories, scary stories, and Halloween jokes submitted by my listeners. You can share your joke or story with an audio file sent to inthetellingpodcast at gmail.com. Help more people find In The Telling by leaving a review on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast delivery platform. Find out more about In The Telling at lizzylizzyliz.com. Subscribe to In The Telling Podcast on YouTube for bonus content. Theme music by Gordon Vitas. In The Telling is hosted and produced by me, Liz Christensen. Thank you for listening. <laughs>